Good Morning Mayberry is brought to you by Amass Studio, LLC. This episode was recorded on Friday, February 1st, 2023, with Lappy. Good morning, Mayberry. I am here with Lappy doing a unique kind of episode. This is going to be a unique release of episodes. We are actually doing a triple feature weekend. We're going to have three episodes coming out this weekend. And this episode, it's really very unique on its own. Lappy had some technical issues and we ended up not being able to use my typical remote studio setup. So we ended up doing this recording using Zoom, which lets you download everybody's audio track into unique files, which makes it really nice and easy for editing. It's pretty cool. What it also does, because I don't pay Zoom, is it puts a time limit on things. So we had 40 minutes to fit this entire episode into, and I feel like we managed to use that 40 minutes pretty motherfucking well. So Lappy and I talk about our histories working in entertainment and broadcasting and performance. We talk about our experience with the business side of things that we've done creatively. And then we just kind of talk about each other. We talk about how we met. It's a good time. It's a really great episode. So grab some water and a snack or whatever. Let's let's sit down and have a little chat with Lappy. trying out new things this is such a situation so many technical issues i have a new mic it's a like a you know when you get a flat you gotta put the spare on until you can get a new real tire so i've got a a microphone that's gonna have to make do joining us right now is lappy and we have just had a hell of a time getting in here lappy is connecting to audio as we speak lappy oh still connecting to audio can you hear me all right. I'm in. You're in. We are recording. All right. Uh, all right, indeed. We've had technical issues out the wazoo. I have a crunchy plastic <laughs> water bottle that I'll be drinking out of periodically. <laughs> um, I got a new headset that uh, it cost me eight dollars at the GameStop. Um, <laughs> I could have I could have gone for like you know the twenty to forty dollar range, but I was like. I'm just gonna see what's up with this one. It was on clearance. It was originally twenty twenty dollars or something. So I was like, I just need. It's like a spare tire. Like it's not like the real tire. I'm not gonna <laughs> keep driving on this, but we're all gonna have to bear bear with it for a little bit. Um, yeah, for now. For now, uh, yes, for now. Pretty soon the digs are gonna be perfect. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, you. We had a a booking on Wednesday. Uh, mm-hmm. And we couldn't make that happen because your Wi-Fi was obstructive, um, mm-hmm. and you have had a harrowing ordeal sorting that out. <laughs> and then you get that sorted out, and your equipment situation didn't quite work out the way that you had anticipated. Nope. Uh, and so we had to cut. And then my studio was not supportive of our situation mm-hmm. with our equipment. 
So we've had multiple backup plan on backup plan on backup plan type of situation. We've been through like Yo. a whole Wonderland experience. We went through an adventure even to just start this conversation for people. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, it was worth it. Right? I don't regret anything. I think it was great. And I got to learn so much about like alternative ways that I can record with people with different access to different equipment. This actually sounds pretty good from what I can tell from here. Yeah, it sounds great. I'm lying. Yeah, that's what's up. So Lappy, um, who are you and what do you do? Oh my God, I am. Let's do it like that. That bitch. Oh, oh, no, no it's true. I mean, it's true though. That's what they say. No, no, I am uh, in artist from chicago i play the violin i sing i dance i make my own beats i am also a former child actor on a tv show and uh, i went to depaul university for economics and dropped out to pursue music in 2014 so that's like pretty much who I am and what I'm doing. <laughs> That's what's up. And do you want to say what show you were on? Sure. Um, I was on The Good Time Kids, which is still running, actually. It's a, a show modeled after the Mickey Mouse Playhouse. And uh, somehow it seemed to avoid most of the trappings of the child star system but it also was like a feeder show into disney so there was like a real chance that uh you know i would have gotten harvey weinstein but luckily you know i left the show after you know aging out of it and i was able to kind of just own my own brand after the fact but uh yeah it was a quite um revealing experience when it comes to the the entertainment industry for sure right it sounds like um like when people used to say that uh marijuana is a gateway drug (laughs) like a gateway production that could have led you towards predators unknown and instead you just kind of like chilled Mm. with the you got you got the best of the training and the experience of being in a professional environment and you fuse that into your spirituality and your artistry and came out mm-hmm. as this shiny gem that you are. Mm-hmm. I would say that's pretty accurate. I actually was in a, a play when I was in freshman year of high school and that was my first foray into acting and I got the lead part because my friend wanted me to go with her for moral support and it was a british play and i just like somehow totally got into the character and got the lead and she unfortunately didn't make the play but i thought it was a fluke you know i thought i was like oh you know this is just like a one-time once-in-a-lifetime thing you know and a few years later I'm on TV actually acting and, you know, we're reading scripts, we're improvising, we're, you know, meeting celebrities and interviewing them. And, you know, we have fans and like, it was a very like, wow, I didn't expect to be an actor on TV ever. And, 
you know, even since then, like, I just, I did, I'm like, wow, I did that. <laughs> like <laughs> I was, I was an actual like actor on TV, but you know, I, I really wanted to, of course, uh, transition and, and, you know, break away from like the child acting uh, prototype that was created for me. And I felt like I did that in at least recent times, you know, yeah cool yeah it's been cool it's been a journey i mean what exactly is your entertainment you know history because i know you know how to sing and you know (laughs) how to edit and you know how to do a lot of things but where did you get all that knowledge uh here and there and all over the place i've had a lot of cool training with uh, like a range of different autodidactic kind of self-taught people and professionals and folks who've been through different trainings. Uh, I've done a little bit of professional training myself. Mm. I skirted the edges of getting into that kind of commercial sort of Hollywood realm of performing entertainment professionally as a kid, but I actually ended up in like uh, like religious cults and I was kind of a mm. um, like a prototype there were traveling performing arts evangelical fundamentalist type things that sort of was like it became more popular you know it's like you get like the Tammy Faye and Jay Baker energy and like lamb chop kind of stuff and then people mm-hmm. were like well let's take an let's take a act on on the road you know it's just it's kind of natural people are doing circuses and ballets traveling back touring has always been a thing and like you know like normal just like basic singing or or theater or like kind of weirder more niche uh performances and so um i had been involved with my family was involved with a, a lot of different groups when i was a kid uh there was a group called heart song um and then they had like a like a sibling project called Colby that didn't tour but had uh like video media that they put out and I wasn't in that group but I was really young and got to observe them working um we kind of we my mother was into hosting groups like that and um so yeah I got to meet a lot of my like icons behind the scenes early I also like weird random stuff I got to meet uh like Ethan Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman, and I, I kind of blew them off. At, I think I was like nine <laughs> years old. I blew them off to meet Ernest Borgnine um, because they were filming Gattaca at my dad's job. And uh, he had to take me to work for some reason. I feel like it was just take your kid to work day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that day they were filming Gattaca. He may have brought me just because Ernest Borgnine was in the building, though. He is <laughs> asked now, so I can't ask him uh, to fill in yeah. details. Um, but yeah, stuff like that, where it's like, you know, then later Gattaca comes out and it's this thing where I get to see it. So it's, I've always had this attraction to the the production realm. And when I watched things, even as a young kid, I could see uh, through the screen almost as though I was sitting behind the camera and like even expand the moments, like even as like scenes are cutting in real time and stuff that I'm watching, I could see what it took to evolve that scene and what cuts were made for what reasons I was always looking for various things like that. And that just came naturally to me organically as an interest. Um, And I curated that myself over time 
weird ways and it was facilitated through different groups i got to tour with a performing arts group when i was a teenager that was uh incredibly traumatic and also uh incredibly like formative and it's one of them complicated type circumstances where it made me incredibly unique but also i'm kind of like it would have been neat if i could have had a slightly more normal life I yeah um but yeah i have like the pace of everything that uh evangelical fundamentalist performing arts groups when when kids are devoted to them the pace of that uh is very very similar to hollywood and what i'm discovering now in my adult life is how merged those environments actually are um and it's mo it's kind of like a kayfabe situation for them to even have the illusion of being pitted against each other because even a lot of the time you find people that straddle a line of behavior and represent both in ways that conflict and contradict, but mm -hmm. uh, the the principles, the doctrines of the conflicting worlds actually do align in some ways. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you were never starstruck. It seems like you were never like trying to be somebody's, you know, team or you know, ever trying to like kiss anybody's ass in this industry. You were always just kind of make your own thing. I never have to try um to do that. When I do try it doesn't really take. Often I find myself kind of put in the center of circumstances or put in a position where I'm holding a lot of responsibility or uh you know, presenting things or kind of helping to shepherd people. I've I've worked as a stage manager, for example, too, and just recently was offered the opportunity to consider be considered for a stage manager position and consider a stage mm -hmm. manager position. Um, kind of out of the blue, basically mm -hmm. manifested it. Uh, but so things like that. Um, and then my performance capacity to uh you've you've heard me sing. Uh, a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I also I act. There's a there's a range of things I can bring to the table. I can write. I can direct. There's like stuff that I can do that's full circle and all encompassing. And so I tend to make the job easier for whoever it is that's working in partnership with me. If I'm directing, it's easier for my actors. If I'm acting, it's easier for my directors. Mm -hmm. All the different roles because I understand how they work together. And so and that's been a growing thing throughout my life. It was it was always kind of um, like all of the things sort of all at once, like in different projects at different times. But like in the same year, I'd get like multitudes of experience that would dovetail mm. together. Yeah. The man of many hats. But you yeah. also like can fill a role like that's needed so that every other part that's you know moving around you is able to work with you right and because i was doing it early on i recognized the insustainability uh, unsustainability of that uh type of role because that is a useful role and it's something that shows up often in places unfortunately sometimes that can become something that either is like addictive to the people that are able to do it or the people that are relying on them kind of need to have them in that role or something but there is a way to facilitate that energy and empower people to be their best selves and sort of kind of you know lightly mentor or manage or whatever and get people to get it moving in a way that it, I can generally step back and away from whatever system I've been operating in um mm. and I've got I mean, the that's... opportunity go ahead 
Oh, I was going to say, like, that's humble of you in this industry of egos, you know? <laughs> well, I took it. It's the same with the church. You know, people will get fused into their role and, and really kind of get addicted to the uh, the praise um, that comes along with the performance. But uh, I get, I don't know if there's maybe something wrong with me, but honestly, <laughs> I feel like it's actually it's actually bit me in the ass a lot where I end up in positions where I'm like, wow, I did not see that betrayal coming or I did not see that. Because a, a lot of the time, par part of why I never merged into uh, a more commercial entertainment, um, like sort of track where it, like my opportunities are to scale with my talent and skill and capacity to learn and grow and fuse with a team and all that. Um, I, I have generally had someone I considered a friend in quote-unquote partnership with me and then that person basically will cannibalize me or kind of jettison off of me like use me as fuel to shoot their little rocket a little bit further in a way that frankly I don't see as necessary because with their talent like there's a pace that I thought that we could move along neck and neck or like support each other be be of common yoke or whatever if you will like um but yeah you very accurately said it cannibalizing it's the big fish eats the little fish you know well it usually it seems like it's a little fish that it, when i really kind of <laughs> has scaled back because i'm old now i'm 37 <laughs> and this has been happening for a while um uh it's happened there's a there's a, a couple of stories i don't know if i'll get into them today but some stories with people that have gotten very um very gr grandiose opportunities, um, spectacular opportunities, and they've really squandered them. Um, you know, I don't know how you make it all the way to like cable television, uh, performing <laughs> backup behind Kendrick Lamar as the only backup singer on stage and still become somebody that like nobody's fucking heard of. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's a, an interesting thing also to see how the people I grew up with how they have gotten into roles and get opportunities that are totally antithetical to the morals that they carry and mm -hmm. the understanding that they have of what makes up the world. Um, so that's bizarre too, because I'm very like upfront about the way that I think I don't have performative virtues. I'm, I'm not really mm -hmm. capable of doing that and never have been. Um, and so that's another thing that goes into my experiences that I've dismantled cults. Uh, mm. times and when I was a teenager one particular cult that had very domineering plans and wanted to take over globally and they did make a major impact they uh, traveled the country doing performing arts uh, in the form of mime to contemporary Christian music um, mm. and so uh, there was a time where like conservative churches didn't dance at all and we basically came in and gave them access to a form of dance that they could do conservatively um and so it was very exciting when we went to places like alabama and kentucky and virginia and pennsylvania and you know we were like like crossing the aisle in ways that religious denominations didn't do at the time we we went to a quaker church at one point we were supposed to be non-denominational fundamentalist evangelicals and that's like its own wonky wonderland of an experience but um, mm. I, I got to sort of experience different ways of approaching stuff and see people that lived in a wide range of 
um, mainly whitewashed and conservative lifestyles, but there's some nuance even in that demographic <laughs> uh, I that I feel people probably we'd get a little further with conversations that that conflict between demographics that don't understand each other if we <laughs> if we value that even there if we can value the nuance in whiteness we can value the nuance in everything I feel mm. like you know what I mean mm. yeah <laughs> no our stories are so intertwined even like when it comes to our childhood experiences, the show I was on was on NRB, National Religious Broadcasting. And the show was produced by an independent um, company called Taysu, which is uh, led by Eric Taylor and his wife, Sue Taylor. And they are evangelical Christians, right? Well, the show in order for it to be on the network and the network is on direct TV, it's the biggest Christian network in uh, America. And mm. I think, you know, like they, they get like something like 300,000, you know, or more uh, viewers like daily or something. I don't know. Some, some weird number. I'm probably more now since it was like 10 years ago, but Christians uh, be watching their TVs. They into that shit. Yeah, they they really, really liked the show, too. And the show had to have some form of Christian, you know, element teaching, you know, whatever, in order to be on the network. But the show, for all intents and purposes, was not very, you would say, Christian. It was just like a kid's show with like a 30 second Bible reading in between, you know, um, but there was the evangelical influence of course of the people running it who themselves you know they pushed their beliefs onto us and me being right. a, a queer and also others on set being queer and us being kids and us being on a christian show we were forced to repress our identities in order for us to be in our roles and, you know, it's like a lot of pressure to be not queer in front of the camera or not queer even backstage, not queer, you know, at all around anything related to the show. Because if anybody sees, finds out or hears you being kind of like anti whatever the Christian norm is, then you're off the show and maybe the whole show could be compromised right to right. learn that one of the actors on the show is queer and they are a christian network you know they could just take the whole show off yeah so it was kind of yeah. like wow i you know yeah. i did have to compromise my identity in order to fit in and then we were going to like churches to perform but also just kind of like be there and now that i look back on it i'm like wait we had like indian kids on the show we had like polish kids on the show we had chinese kids on the show we had all types of kids from all different walks of life and we were all forced to go to their church and learn their religion and sit there and be quiet and look good so that the show could benefit, but also so that I'm sure they could program us and, you know, indoctrinate us a little bit. And, you know, it was a little bit of like a 
uh, a kind of coercive thing when it came to the church thing. Like, oh, you have to go to yeah. be on the show. And it's like, but we don't believe in your religion. So why do we have to go to your church to just be on the show? It was like, kind of, that's, pr- you know, that's part of the streams. Sorry, say again. Finish. It's cr- it was crossing those streams, right? Yeah, no, it's making me think of uh, of the like Lou Taylor and kind of Kardashian religious experience. That the, it's like that, but they've been the, kind of the opposite about it. It's weird how it works when you're behind the scenes, though, where you get that pressure, mm-hmm. but then you're supposed to perform it naturally to just encourage. But they're trying to formulate role models. Is essentially mm. it. And then that's really where that concept of role model even probably comes from is they're like, you're not being a good role model, but it's like, no, who even said anybody's supposed to do that except you all made up this idea that you're going to have robot people, Android concept people that you just program with your ideas mm-hmm. and make popular and sell, sell your idea along with your commercial product and you make money and influence people at the same time without literally without doing any work to do so. They want mm-hmm. everybody else to carry it for them, and then they're mad when they're like, "We're gonna sue for what?" I, I'm just mm-hmm. Blue Taylor to the max. No, uh, like in retrospect, looking at it, I'm like, I could have been soft recruited for a cult if, like, I wasn't more. If I was older, you know, like I was luckily 16 when I started, you know, the show, so I was at least, you know, I was formed in my identity of who I was and I wasn't willing to like change who I was, but I was willing to hide it. And that's just simply because I was still impressionable and I was still willing to do whatever I needed to do to like be seen validated and, you know, be a good kid and do all those things. So, you know, it was always like, wow, you know, I'm basically I felt, you know, I was basically in a Britney Spears type of situation on on low key, but I never really woke up to that until it actually came full circle as an adult where I'm an artist now and I'm signed and my record label is run by a friend of Britney Spears manager, right? Larry Rudolph, uh, the, the manager actually uh well his friend is also another manager of Camila Cabello and his name is Roger Gold okay so mm. i you know find out this guy's in control of my career or at least you know has a position of power over me and i escape you know his like grubby claws <laughs> mm. and find out all of this stuff about the conservatorships and you know, like how they work and how they wrap people in and then finding out like Lou Taylor and the religious aspects of it. And then, you know, it it gets real. It's like, wow. So this whole industry, right? They, they There are real cults running companies and they are bringing in young, queer, black, all types of people to control them to take all the resources and redistribute them to, you know, who else? The wider, male, older, richer people. Right. And it's like, and wow, to, that's the system. By, by resources, it's money that is made off of their labor, their work, their likeness, their image, their soul. 
And mm. then, like, all of this work is in music and storytelling, which are the two most powerful forms of communication magic the human species has. Mm. So when you say <laughs> what you said, that is what they're grifting. That's what they're mm. saying. It's from both ends, too. They're, they're like, mining people to sell their their gems like that was mm. was precious about them coming from the inside that they're formulating and then they want all the money from that too like they're harvesting oh, yeah. unduly not just the money oh no they want the money they want the rights they want the you know the the decision making power they want the people you know in your life to like i've been told by billionaires right like oh i'll give you all this money and all of these resources to be able to do what you do. But then not only do you owe me, right. But then if you can't pay me, well, I'm just going to end up controlling every aspect of your life and your wife, your kids, your friends, your family, mm -hmm. everybody will be under my control essentially because as an extension of you, Right. They have to do whatever it takes in order to make that money. And they really, truly, honestly believe they have the power to do so. And as I've seen, if if they convince you that, well, then they do. If mm -hmm. they can convince you that they control everything and that they can ruin your life by just simply, you know, pressing a button. I've seen people go so far to protect themselves that they actually hurt somebody. <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. scary. Well, and okay, so just one thing. We have a maximum of 40 minutes. So we've got about 10 minutes left to wrap this part oh, of the conversation. Okay, up. so this is like so the what intro. What we can do <laughs> is I'll put this episode out basically immediately, probably before the episode I'm editing today, perhaps. And mm -hmm. then we'll start another call and we'll have 40 minutes to do our second part and mm -hmm. cover some other topics that we won't even get into in this episode. We won't even mention them. Let's yeah, back into talking about general things. Yeah, each other. Um, okay. Yeah, this is just like the appetizer, <laughs> right? And I want to say I want to talk about something nice. I want to talk about what drew me to you because you are mm -hmm. gorgeous and you are brilliant <laughs> and you are brave and you are considerate. And mm. somehow I just like knew this. Like I saw you on the internet and i was like who is this person and i'm i can't quite remember exactly where we found each other it could have been in the comment section of somebody who has since blocked me in the last few mm. weeks so what a miracle that we were able to do i remember that. the first time at least we really truly interacted was about the halloween um yes the halloween uh contest i remember that and oh, you had when I was doing the faces, me, the faces of horror, the face of horror. <laughs> yes, contest. you asked okay. me to vote for you, and I did, and I kept voting for you, and you know, eventually it just evolved into like supporting each other's work. <laughs> oh, I love that. You're yeah. so great. That's wonderful. Some burlesque bitch, some like you know, like white, like horror, like she like makes like Halloween her personality type bitch one. <laughs> um, so you know, and she has like a burlesque following. So I was like, oh, oh. There's no wonder. Um, because you could pay <laughs> for more vote. Your community could pay for extra votes. It was a it was a competition, but it was also like a fundraiser for some cause. And so they were using yeah. us 
to milk our communities to get us the prize so that they could get them to give donations for this cause. It was pretty crafty. I'm not sure how I ultimately <laughs> feel about it, but I'm so glad. See what I'm saying? People yeah. can meet in the darkest of places or the most confusing or bizarre. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it happens. I mean, honestly, I think, you know, it was for the best. Like, you got the notoriety. You got more people in your network. Just those types of things, like, they get things started. It's funny, the smallest yeah. little types of, you know, events like that, they just get things going sometimes. And you might not even be actively involved in that thing anymore, but it got these things started. So, you know, you kind of got to say thank you a little bit. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it was a frustrating, interesting and bizarre ordeal. Ultimately, <laughs> I was pretty depressed about some parts of it, too, because I'd reach out to my community that I had already and they would just like leave me on red sometimes and I'd be like did you vote and they'd be like oh yeah that thing and I'm like literally mm. you can vote every day like mm. it takes 25 seconds I get mm. it that it's like not something you do all the time but you also scroll on TikTok for five hours <laughs> at least every day of your life can you please do yeah. something for me a little bit in the internet I'm even asking you to do something real like help me move or set, you know, like, can you, can, can, can I come over for dinner? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is, Hey, hang out with me, be a person in my real life. Like, no, like go on the fucking internet, please use your thing. <laughs> taking a shit assholes. And no, they, you know, but then there's you. And so I did, I had some, I had to like realize like who was really supportive of me and who, who could see clearly, even though, cause people will love me, but they'll not be able to see like what it is that's happening around me. With the con the qualities of my life, the context of my life, the things that I've been through, what the because people be like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps energy. And I'll be like, all right, fine, I can't take it anymore and I'm not dying yet. So I'll try. And then magic happens because apparently I'm supposed to be doing the work I'm doing. You know, I'm supposed to be like carving out the life I'm carving out and burning the legacy into the world that I'm trying to burn into the world. So I somehow I'm surviving, you know, the, the faces of horror thing was kind of, it was just an example. It was a, mm. it was a superficial reminder of how hard it had been in the past mm. uh, to kind of like get support around something that I'm like, this is pretty big. It's not difficult for you to support me. And it would really mm. change everything for me if this worked out. Um, mm. Like, or at least if people gave a shit, like it's, it's uh, yeah. so yeah, but it's, it, it was a learning experience and I've grown a lot from it and I don't, I regret nothing. Like I am like, uh, I'm good with it all. It's all chilling. That's good. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that you're able to move on to bigger and better things. And, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about uh, some of the things that you had to move on from since. <laughs> we will in, in, shortly in the next episode yeah. um but yeah i uh i'm really glad to find people like you it's like it's a cool thing to go through crises and see it's like mr rogers shit like find the helpers <laughs> you know like that in real yeah. time all the time uh once i started to get really excited about that part my struggles became less burdensome and once i stopped feeling them like a burden 
my entire life flipped like a game board and things got right side up and mm. everything started working. So, yes. yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got challenges still, but I'm, it, you know, it's, since things are right side up, they're below my eye level. They're not towering over me. Um, Good. You're not. World. You're not letting them win. And that's yeah. the biggest thing. Like, I could have let my label win. I could have let, you know, the industry in itself win against me when it came to trying to silence me and trying to blackball me and trying to just intimidate me. Hmm. But I kept fighting, you know. I wrote books. I, you know, was out there sharing my story. And I still go out there and remind people sometimes like, yeah, they tried it. You know, they absolutely tried it on me and they failed. So, you know, my foot is constantly on their neck. <laughs> mm -hmm. Talk about your books for a minute. Okay. Well, the first one I wrote was the Roger Gold Chronicles. And it started as an investigative report about the label. The label was 300 Entertainment, which uh, is under Warner Brothers now. And <clears throat> I pretty much connected him to uh, Larry Rudolph, Scooter Braun, um, Lou Taylor, L.A. Reid, and this Russian-born billionaire named Lynn Blavatnik, who has ties to Donald Trump and to Vladimir Putin. Mm. So I pretty much had just like created this map of the industry and where I was and where I came in contact with this circle of power that I had discovered. And then slowly I had realized, wow, um, these people are actually like very dangerous mm. and they have ties to a very dangerous like narrative in this industry where if you are abused or if you have been uh, a victim of abuse then you are silenced you are put under ndas you are sabotaged you are essentially like excommunicated and i felt like that was very cult like behavior mm -hmm. and then i when i left the label completely and cut ties with every single person related to them they had made threats of uh death <laughs> To my life you know they said the only way out is death that is what i was told by a top executive at the label and that's when the the alarm bells of cult really started ringing i'm like no nah, this is something deeper and darker and i'm gonna have to get to the bottom of it because why would i why would i even know about this stuff you know if this wasn't something that needs to be talked about that needs to be uncovered so I really did some digging and I went into it and I found all of these connections now to Harvey Weinstein and Jeffrey Epstein. Um, and, you know, the connections are literally like they are friends. They are right. financial partners. They are, you know, like have been spotted, you know, at the same parties and we know what was going on at these parties, you know? So I'm like, okay, these people are the ones running the label. These people are the ones who are in charge of, you know, top charting artists' lives. And they, they wanted me, 
they were almost like they almost had me in a sense. So I really felt like it was necessary to tell everybody what I had gone through my experience. So I released that and it got a lot, a lot of traction mm -hmm. uh, within the free Britney movement because I had actually tangently mentioned Britney Spears mm -hmm. and the conservatorship and how she was an example of, you know, somebody who had gotten got, you know, and right. what their plan for me was in the end game to completely control my circle of friends, family, my money, my my entire career. And to be able to siphon that and, you know, do what they want with it. Um, so I was I was like very actively, you know, connecting Britney Spears, the conservatorship with this circle of power. Mm. Then the whole free Britney movement popped. I don't know what happened. It was like I released the book a week before the 13th year mark of the conservatorship okay, in 2020, okay. November, 2020. Okay. There was a lot that changed then. Yeah. Yep. Well, so and we have then, one minute left. We got one minute oh, left before we get cut off. Plug your pluggables. Tell people where to find you. Okay. Find me on Instagram at Lappy, L-A-P-I. So savage or Google my name, Lappy, L-A-P-I on the beat. That's what's up. Thank you so much for coming on. I am looking forward to uh, reconnecting with you in like an instant and uh, doing our next oh, session. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got a lot to talk about. Thank you so much. See you in a sec. Bye. Wow. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to Lappy for coming on the show. We've got a triple feature weekend. There are three episodes coming out. There's this one that you just listened to. And then up next, we've got an episode with Jaden Young from Eat Predators. Jaden's been a presence in the book club and the discord community. And recently I was informed that he was making some pretty concerning posts about feeling unheard and that he needed to get his voice out there. So I was already working on editing his episode and these other episodes with Lappy came up yesterday they all really dovetailed well together and i feel like they make up one set it's a trilogy if you will so please like and rate us everywhere we have definitely been undergoing a bit of an attack here a little cyber attack um and so people have been downgrading the podcast and uh, trying to block and report and do all kinds of bananas bullshit. So if you like us, uh, you can help um, by acting like our street crew and uh, going around to all the platforms and going ahead and liking us, subscribing everywhere. Our YouTube has a comment section. You're free to leave little notes to the world about how you feel about the show. Um, so whether you hate us or love us, I encourage you to interact. And we also have a phone number you can reach out if you want to leave a message, contact me about anything. If you have any information you want to share or anything you'd like to scream at me about, uh, I welcome it all. I am thirsty for that haterade and I love it just as much as the sweet tea that people are delivering to me as well. So you can reach me by phone at 415-3434-420. And with that, I'm really just going to leave it here. This has been Good Morning Mayberry. This is an Amass Studio production. Thank you again to Lappy for coming through and having this chat with me. I really appreciate your friendship and your association. I'm looking forward to making the world a better place with you. And for now, always remember to never forget. You are sabotaged, excommunicated. And I felt like that was very cult-like behavior. And then I, when I left the label completely and cut ties with every single person related to them. 
they had made threats. They said the only way out is death. And that's when the the alarm bells of cult really started ringing. I'm like, nah, this is something deeper and darker and I'm gonna have to get to the bottom of it. Because why would I even know about this stuff if this wasn't something that needs to be talked about, that needs to be uncovered? Good Morning Mayberry is brought to you by Amass Studio, LLC.